Welcome to this week's edition of Worcester Talking News, recorded on Thursday the 15th of June and brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment for the Blind and with permission of the Worcester News. I'm Pippa Curtis. I'm standing in for Sally Rowe this week as editor, but the team is Sally's team, so our readers are Hannah. Hello. And Rianne. Hello. Nigel's the recording engineer for the day and he's on the other side of the screen. Carol Hartle plus helpers is on copying an admin. And first of all, a huge apology. We discovered that last week's post bag was not collected last Friday. So there should be two wallets from the talking newspapers with two USB sticks this week. I'm so sorry about that. And I'm afraid you'll have me twice in a row as I was editor last week. But the post bag problem was not my fault, I would like to say. Anyway, I'd like to extend a warm welcome to any new listeners and hope you enjoy our recording today. As always, we'll include, first of all, a list of useful telephone numbers, then what's on in the local theatres, etc., followed by the headline stories, a selection of general news stories, a little bit of sport, and then finishing up with the thought for the week, sunrise and sunset times, and of course the birthday file. If we don't have a record of your birthday and you'd like to be included, do please get in touch and we'll add you to the file. Obituaries are now recorded after the closing music. We do like to hear from you, so if you have any comments or problems, a message can be left on the answer phone on 01905 767 766 or alternatively just put a note in your wallet. Finally, the service is free to users, but if you'd like to make a donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR5 1DA. And on the subject of donations, may I thank Jane Staples for one that we received last week. Very much appreciated. So let's start this week with the telephone numbers, which Hannah's going to supply. And the telephone number for the talking newspaper here at Colin Chan's house is 01905 767766. And listeners should be aware this is not manned daily and need to be patient if a reply is required. The police non-emergency number is 101, NHS Direct 111, Out of Hours Medical Assistance 0300 123 between 6 and 8 p.m., Crime Stoppers 0800 triple five triple one Worcester Hub O one nine oh five seven six five seven six five Worcestershire County Council here to help O one nine oh five seven six eight O five three and the option on that is three Community Risk Team Fire Safety 0800-032-1155 Domestic Abuse Helpline 0800-980-3331 Sense Adventures Walking for Visually Impaired Call D. Jones on 01684 891 297 
and Samaritans are on double one six one two three, Worcester Live on O one nine oh five six double one four two seven, Malvern Theatres O one six eight four eight nine double two double seven. Worcester Wheels for transport between 8.30 and 4.30, Link Nurseries at Powick have a session for visually impaired on Friday mornings. Their telephone number is 01905831881. for more information. Thank you. And now on to the what's on locally. And I'm going to begin with pop music. And the acclaimed number one boy band Take That. Well, unfortunately, they're not coming to Worcester, but their most popular and recognised tribute band, the appropriately named Take That Experience, definitely are. And they'll be performing at the Swan Theatre on Friday, June the 23rd at 7.30pm. Tickets cost £25, and for tickets and details, contact the box office, 611-427. Another tribute act is taking place on the same night, but over at the Henry Sandon Hall on 7th Street. Head there for 7pm, and you'll be able to enjoy Simon Mark doing an excellent tribute performance of the legendary comedian Peter Kay. There's also a DJ and a disco as part of the evening's entertainment. Tickets vary between £20 and £30, and for more details, visit the eventbrite.co.uk website. That's E-V-E-N-T-B-R-I-T-E. And some good news, the Worcester Hot Air Balloon Festival that was originally due to take part uh, back in May, but had to be cancelled because of waterlogged fields, it's now been rescheduled to take place on Friday the 23rd and Saturday the June the 24th. Again, it's at Worcester Racecourse. It's from 4pm till 10.30pm. Tickets are priced, well, they vary from £3.25 for an adult ticket on the Friday to £6.83 on Saturday. There are family tickets as well available. All the balloon activity is weather dependent, but there will be live entertainment going on, trade stalls, a craft marquee, funfair, circus workshop, workshop and festival catering. So lots to entertain the whole family. For more information and tickets, go to skiddle.com. That's S-K-I-D-D-L-E and search Worcester Balloon Festival. On the same weekend, so that's the 24th to the 26th of June, if you like jazz, you'll want to head to Upton, where the Upton Jazz Festival is taking place. Whilst all the ticketed venues have now sold out, there are still more than 30 free-to-enter performances taking place across the town over the weekend. For more details, visit www.uptonjazz.co.uk and Upton Jazz is all lowercase and run on together. Finally, something a little bit different. Worcester Community Trust have snack and chat lunch clubs running in a number of their community centres each week that offer companionship and activities for the over-50s around a healthy home-cooked two-course meal and a hot drink. Their friendly and welcoming group always welcomes new members with approachable staff and friendly volunteers often running a raffle or bingo games to us to add a bit of fun. They also offer day trips out from time to time and special events. 
Members come along for all sorts of reasons. They may feel a bit lonely or are looking to spend time with others to reduce feelings of isolation, or they may just enjoy the food and games on offer. The cost for snack and chat is £4 a week. Lunch clubs currently run on Tuesdays at the Green Hub in Dines Green, Wednesdays at Horizon Hub and the Tolly Hub, and Thursdays at Ronxwood Hub. The lunches at the Green Hub and Ronxwood Hub are followed by an optional extend exercise class for the over 50s, a gentle seated exercise class to improve strength, mobility, balance and well-being. If you know somebody who may be interested in attending, contact Sharon at Worcester Community Trust, that's all one word, .org.uk. Sorry, that's taken a long time. Let's get on with the headline stories. And Hannah is going to begin with Friday's headline story. So on the 9th of June, last Friday, the headline was Ninja Burglar Arrested After Rooftop Pursuit. A wanted couple on the run were caught following a dramatic rooftop chase, one of the burglars later comparing himself to a ninja, despite the failed escape attempt. Jamie Rice, 34, and Adele Thomas, 33, stole items from the Victoria Institute in Sansom Walk in Worcester, the same building as Worcester City Art Gallery and Museum. But the couple were cornered yesterday after they tried but failed to escape over rooftops in Birmingham, where they had been holed up after nearly two months on the run. It is understood they climbed out of a Velux window in the roof at around 8.40am as officers hammered on the door of a flat above a shop. Thomas suffered a toe injury during the escape attempt. The pair attempted the escape after previously failing to attend their sentencing hearing at Worcester Crown Court on April 13th. When they failed to turn up, warrants for their arrest were issued. As officers were already out on another unrelated job, the West Mercia police detectives from Proactive CID decided to call in and try to apprehend the elusive couple. Eagle-eyed detectives spotted them fleeing over rooftops after they climbed out of a flat above a convenience store on the corner of Partridge Road and Broadstone Road in Birmingham. When Rice was cornered in a garden nearby, he was handcuffed and taken away to a waiting police van. Thomas was also detained nearby and placed in the back of an unmarked car. Both were taken in separate vehicles to Worcester Police Station and were expected to be transferred to Worcester Crown Court yesterday, Thursday, where it was possible they could be sentenced. In the back of the police van, Rice, talking about his climbing onto the roof, said, I'm like a ninja. Officers knocked on their door after climbing an external staircase, but there was no answer, despite warnings to open up or we're coming in. At one stage, officers even produced a ladder as they tried to climb in through an upstairs window. One witness joked, Oh, look, the window cleaner's here. Previously, the pair admitted stealing a black mountain bike, a blue children's push bike, a clock, Christmas decorations, a black suitcase, a toolbox tray and various tools, a doormat, an inflatable kayak, 
and a rucksack from the Victoria Institute on Sansom Walk. The offence took place on September the 8th last year. Both pleaded guilty to burglary when they appeared at Worcester Crown Court in February and on Thursday, April 13th, the couple were due to return to the court for sentencing. But at the start of the hearing, Simon Phillips, defending, explained neither Rice or Thomas, both giving their address as Freer Road, Aston, Birmingham, were at court. On Saturday and Sunday, June the 10th and 11th, the headlines read, Heroes, brave neighbours act fast to stop blaze from spreading as children scream in terror. Brave neighbours stopped a fierce rubbish fire from spreading to homes and engulfing a van as young children screamed in terror. Robert Gabriel Ungarono and Andrei Bulete worked together to stop the fire from reaching homes and a van when the blaze got out of control in D-Way, Tolodine, Worcester, on Thursday night. The pair from Avon Road shifted the Mercedes out of the fire's path, smashing the window with a brick and pushing the van to safety. Two fire crews, one each from Worcester and Droitwich, were called to a fire in the open at D-Way, Worcester, at 7.14pm as residents called 999 and flames climbed up the conifers which form the hedgerow. The fire was about to spread to a neighbour's van parked next to the hedge in an area previously highlighted as a hotspot for fly-tipping by campaigner Edward Kimberley. Images show the heat was so intense it melted the rear lights and mudguards on the van. Mr Bulette spotted a brick and handed it to Mr Ungarono, who smashed the driver's side window and released the handbrake so they could push the white van out of the way of the fire towards the junction with Avon Road. Mr Ungarono's five-year-old daughter was in their garden with a seven-year-old friend when he heard their screams and now he says she is so scared she does not want the family to have a barbecue in case it causes a fire. The 27-year-old said, They started screaming and crying. My daughter said, Mummy, Mummy, fire! She saw the flames and she was scared. I can see the fire from my lounge window. It's not the first time we have called firefighters about this. It's a big problem. Most people were just watching the fire and filming it. A smashed window is better than the whole van going up in flames. They have since video called the owner of the van, who thanked them for saving the vehicle. Mr Ungarono estimates there have been around 25 controlled fires in the garden in the last month, but that firefighters have been called five or six times. If we had not moved the van, it would have caught fire. We helped as much as we could before firefighters arrived. The fire could have spread to the houses. That was our worry. We had two children in the house, he said. Both pointed out how close the fire was to an electrical substation. Mr Bulette became aware of the fire when he heard what sounded like a small explosion. We were all lucky the wind wasn't blowing in the other direction. If that was the case, it would have spread much quicker. I was shaking, he said. A woman who lives at the property where the rubbish fire started said workmen had been burning rubbish in the garden. The tenant said she had been living there a year and the garden had been cleared three to four times since she moved in, but people keep dumping stuff. The woman, who declined to be named, said the landlord was coming out to look at the fire damage to the fence. She had been in Lowismore and returned to find fire crews at the scene. 
Westmercia police did not attend and said it had been not been reported to them. A spokesperson for Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service said the fire involved garden rubbish, 30 metres of hedgerow and conifers which were alight. Two host reel jets and one main jet were used to extinguish the fire. There were no casualties and no other emergency services attended. The incident was marked as pending closure at 8.27pm. And the headline for Monday, June the 12th. Suspected dealer is caught napping. A suspected drug dealer was caught asleep in bed but soon had a rude awakening as officers raided his shared house and seized cash, drugs and a large hunting knife. The suspect, who was led away in handcuffs, is believed to be involved in the supply of heroin and crack cocaine in Worcester, including in the city centre and St John's. Because of a proactive stance by Worcester detectives based at Castle Street in Worcester, the arrest took place in Moseley in Birmingham as officers seek to shore up the county borders against the dealers and deter others from making similar journeys. The warrant was executed at 6.50am on Thursday when many people were still in bed, including the suspect they had come to arrest. It is the second such arrest to take place recently as part of a drive to cut the supply of Class A drugs into Worcester from bigger cities, particularly Birmingham. The ambition of Worcester's County Lines team is to cut off the supply of drugs at the source before they reach Worcester streets and parks or flow out to other towns such as Malvern, Pershaw, Evesham and Droitwich. Officers managed to gain entry quietly without the use of force in contrast to a chainsaw raid on a Birmingham tower block a little over two weeks ago. But once they were inside, there were loud shouts of police as the 22-year-old suspect was apprehended in his bedroom. He was handcuffed and led away into a waiting police van before being transferred to Worcester custody. He was arrested for being concerned in the supply of Class A drugs. A large hunting knife was found in a communal lounge in the semi-detached house which is shared by several tenants. The main focus of the search, however, was the defendant's bedroom, as officers looked in drawers and under the bed, seizing a quantity of cannabis, cash and a phone, which will have to be forensically analysed as officers build a case. Officers even looked in a fridge in the kitchen. DS Luke Paps said, Drugs and violence go hand in hand. It is our primary objective to remove not just drugs but weapons. Officers also paid a visit to the suspect mother's house elsewhere in Birmingham to carry out a further search. The warrant is linked to another raid, that one involving the chainsaw, which took place at Wells Tower in Rodney Close in Birmingham on Wednesday, May the 24th. A suspect in that arrest has been bailed while inquiries continue. And on Tuesday, June the 13th, the headline was Fish Tragedy as Hundreds Killed by Oxygen Crash. A rescue mission was underway to save fish in the Worcester and Birmingham Canal after hundreds died as the Worcester News went to press. Hundreds of fish died because of falling oxygen levels in the canal near Blockhouse Lock by Spring Lane due to soaring temperatures and thunderstorms. We were told by men operating the pumps for the Canal and River Trust that because of the heat and humidity, oxygen levels in the canal were reduced. 
Sunday's storm would have washed urban runoff into the canal, adding to the problem and decreasing the level of oxygen. Fish could be seen near the surface gasping for air near the lock. Most of the visible dead fish were near the lock. Chris Watson, who lives at Lock Cottage by Blockhouse Lane, said he learned about what had happened from the postman and then had a look himself. He said, it's tragic. I got on the phone straight away to the Canal and River Trust. I've lived here two years. It's really sad. People fish in this area. Diane King of Spring Lane, which overlooks the canal, said, I've seen lots of dead fish floating past. You can see pollution in the water. It looks like petrol. It's not nice to see the dead animals. People go past on barges. I don't know if the water is dangerous to humans. It's quite nasty. Environmental health have been told about it. The contractors who work on behalf of the Canal and River Trust were set to be at the canal all night trying to resolve the issue and were setting up tents for shelter with an amber weather warning in force as the Worcester News went to press. On Wednesday, June the 14th, the headline was Killed by those who should have loved him. Um, I will now read a sad and explicit account of a couple who have been found guilty of killing a nine-year-old Twitch schoolboy. Alfie Steele's mother, Carla Scott, was found guilty of manslaughter and her boyfriend, Dirk Howell, found guilty of murder yesterday. They had subjected Alfie to months of harrowing abuse, dunking him in the bath under cold water and following a six-week trial at Coventry County Crown Court, the jury returned the verdict after just over 10 hours yesterday. Worcestershire Safeguarding Children Partnership has said it would continue its independent review into Alfie's death. Howell, aged 41, of Princip Street, Birmingham, has spent 22 years of his life in prison. Scott, aged 35, of Vashon Street, Vashon Drive, Droitwich, where Alfie died, was found not guilty of murder. Scott was also found guilty of child cruelty offences against Alfie and other children, Howell having admitted those charges before the trial. Neither showed any emotion as the verdicts were read out, but before being taken down to the cells, Scott could be seen crying. Harrowing evidence of the cruelty Alfie was subjected to in the years before his death was heard during the trial. Punishments had included Alfie being locked out of the cop-cut home, the court being played chilling footage recorded by a neighbour in 2019 of Alfie screaming to be let back in. Withholding food was also used as a punishment. Alfie's school raising concerns in October 2020 that he was constantly hungry with them having to send food home. Social services missed an opportunity to prevent the death 11 months before. In March 2020, legal discussions took place on whether to remove Alfie from Scott's care after concerns. However, because Scott was seen to be working with social workers at that stage, it was deemed the situation did not cross the threshold for him to be removed. Examination of Alfie's body showed he had 50 injuries all over, including to his head, with only a handful likely to be due to normal childhood bumps and scrapes. 
At around 2.30pm on the day Alfie died, Scott dialed 999 to report Alfie had fallen asleep in the bath and was not breathing. Scott told PC Pickering, one of the first on the scene, about an hour before she had found the child and got him out straight away. After the officer said Scott wasn't making much sense, he asked her when she had first come across Alfie. Scott replied, about 10 minutes ago. Yeah, sorry. The prosecution highlighted Alfie's body temperature had been at 23 degrees centigrade when it should be 37 degrees centigrade, suggesting it made perfect sense the child had been dunked and held down in cold water as punishment before his death. The prosecution also said there had been signs of a cover-up after the murder as Howell fled from the scene before paramedics arrived. Police arrested the prolific criminal who has spent 22 years of his life in prison at Droitwich Railway Station as he tried to board a train. In the witness box, Scott denied being responsible for the death of her son and said she had not chosen Howell over Alfie. In his evidence, an angry Howell used bad language and entered into rants in which he argued with the judge but continued to deny the murder. The jury ultimately believed neither of the defendants who are now facing life in prison. And the headline for Thursday, June the 15th. Heroes risk lives to save OAP from blaze. Brave neighbours risked their safety to rescue an elderly woman who was seriously hurt during a house fire. People living near the semi-detached home in Mayfield Avenue heard a loud explosion believed to be caused by a suspected gas leak. They rushed into the street where they quickly went to work trying to rescue their neighbour who was inside the home on Tuesday, June the 14th, Tuesday evening. They helped to rescue the woman in her 90s from the house fire before firefighters arrived. She was taken to Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Birmingham and was described as having serious injuries. One neighbour said she saw have-a-go heroes pull a woman out of the burning building after others had kicked the door down. People living in Mayfield Avenue were first alerted to the house fire after hearing a loud bang from the suspected gas explosion. Neighbours said people from all over the street came running to help. Firefighters remained at the home until after one o'clock in the morning with staff from Cadent Gas also on site. A West Midlands ambulance service spokesman said it was called at 10.13pm to a private house. One ambulance, a paramedic officer and the Midland Air Ambulance critical care car attended. Upon arrival, we found an elderly woman with serious injuries. She received treatment at the scene and was conveyed to Queen Elizabeth Hospital, Birmingham, with treatment continuing en route. A spokesperson from the fire service said they sent three Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service crews, two from Worcester and one from Droitwich Fire Stations, to a house fire with persons reported. The incident involved a fire which involved all of the ground floor of a semi-detached two-storey house. A female casualty in her 90s was rescued before the arrival of the fire service and was handed to the care of the ambulance service. Two firefighters wearing breathing apparatus fought the fire using a hose-reel jet. This was a suspected gas explosion and cadent gas attended, along with the police. The incident was marked as pending closure at 01.13.
And now for some general news. The date of a by-election has been announced following the death of Worcester City Councillor Simon Cronin. Tributes poured in for Councillor Cronin after he died less than a week after he was re-elected as the Nunnery Ward City Councillor for the third time. His death in May came just days after he was re-elected to his seat in Nunnery Ward with a majority of 330 votes. He held the nunnery seat for the last 16 years, having been first elected in 2007. He died at the age of 64 after a short illness. Colleagues and loved ones described Councillor Cronin as hard-working and formidable after his sudden death. Worcester City Council has announced nominations for the empty seat and it will be open from Thursday, June the 15th until 4pm Friday, June the 23rd. If more than one nomination is received, the poll will be held on Thursday, July 20th, with votes being counted that night at the Guildhall. On Monday, June the 26th, the nominated candidates will be announced as part of the publication of statement persons nominated. Poll cards will be dispatched on Friday, June the 30th, and the last date to register to vote is 11.59 on Tuesday, July the 4th. The deadline for postal applications is Wednesday, July the 5th, and postal votes will be dispatched on Friday, July the 7th. Polling day will take place between 7 a.m. and 10 p.m. on Thursday, July the 20th. Receipt of the emergency proxy vote for applications takes place on Thursday, the 20th July at 5 p.m. Councillor Cronin was described as respected, well-liked and the calm voice of reason, as well as a wonderful friend by colleagues with warm tributes paid from across the political spectrum. Worcester City Council's Managing Director David Blake said he <coughs> said his warm and friendly approach will be greatly missed by everyone, he added. It is incredibly sad that Worcester has lost such a kind and dedicated politician. Burglary rates have been slashed after a string of arrests, including one criminal caught during a dramatic rooftop chase and other suspects boxed in after a car was stolen. However, senior detectives based in Worcester say they are never complacent despite some significant arrests, including that of a couple who fled over rooftops but were cornered before they could escape. James Rice, 34, and Adele Thomas, 33, were arrested after attempting to flee in Birmingham last Thursday following a burglary at the Victoria Institute in Sansom Walk in Worcester, the same building as Worcester City Art Gallery and Museum. Both pleaded guilty to burglary when they appeared at Worcester Crown Court in February. Both are now due to be sentenced on June the 23rd. Another burglar, 46-year-old Thomas Greg Gregorkix of Tallow Hill, Worcester, was arrested in the early hours of Wednesday, June the 7th, after a burglary was reported at Court Mews in Farrier Street a few days before. He will be sentenced at Worcester Crown Court on July the 7th. DI Dave Knight of Proactive CID said, 
we have a dedicated team of highly skilled detectives led by DS Grant Fraser, who purely focus on investigating home burglaries and getting offenders locked up. That team works all hours with the intention of disrupting burglars, preventing burglaries and getting burglars off to prison. It's never a role we can take with any complacency. When you have arrested one individual or team of burglars, there will always be someone who is willing to replace them. Typically, South Worcestershire experiences three to four burglaries in a 24-hour period, said the DI, but this has fallen. He said this was possibly because several key suspects had been apprehended. There has been a burglary at the Hill Avenue in Worcester between 8.15am and 2.25pm on June the 13th. A patio door was damaged during the break-in. Meanwhile, a Volkswagen Golf was stolen during a car key burglary in Hilton Road, St John's over the weekend. However, the stolen vehicle was intercepted by uniformed officers on patrol in the early hours of Tuesday morning. The police car blocking off the escape of the suspects in Aldbury Road, St John's. Two 16-year-olds were arrested on suspicion of burglary. One was released on police bail. The other has been charged with taking the vehicle without the owner's consent and released with stringent bail conditions. The burglary itself remains under investigation. A suspect has also been arrested following a string of burglaries in Malvern between May the 29th and June the 5th. Dramatic CCTV footage captured the moment a tree fell on a shop while the shopkeeper was inside. Mohamed Yabed, owner of the wine cabin and the convenience store in Holt Heath, was in the shop when a tree fell on the roof, hitting a power cable during a sudden thunderstorm on Saturday afternoon. The tree also fell on Mr Yabed's van, which was parked outside. It was a lovely day and then all of a sudden it went dark, Mr Yabed said. I was inside the shop and then the storm came and it started raining. Within five minutes it was like an earthquake and bottles started falling off the shelves. I legged it out and that's when the tree fell. It all happened within five minutes, so quick. I thought the shop was going to collapse or the whole thing cave in, but luckily there's not too much damage done. My van was a little damaged, but thankfully no one was injured. The store is still open to members of the public, thanks to the local community who helped to cut the tree down. The A4133 in Holtfleet was closed for a short period of time because of the fallen tree, and drivers were urged to avoid the road for their safety and to find another route. An amber warning for thunderstorms was issued by the Met Office, with the storm hitting around 4.30pm on Saturday afternoon, causing flash floods and falling trees. Another tree had been described as completely blocking the road on the B4424 ridge to Callow End, as well as in Wasselgrove Lane, Hagley, and Hanley Road, Upton. Power cuts were also felt across Worcester, with several isolated incidents of power outages. Worcester Highways issued warnings to ensure drivers were safe on the roads. A children and young people oncology nurse specialist from Worcestershire Acute Hospitals NHS Trust has been selected as regional champion for a national NHS parliamentary award. Dawn Forbes, who will now go head-to-head with other winners from across the country to be judged by a national panel made up of senior leaders representing staff and patients, 
for the chance to win the prestigious national award was nominated by MP for Wire Forest Mark Garnier on behalf of the Trust. MPs and NHS leaders in the Midlands joined forces to honour health and care staff who have helped to improve treatment for patients and Dawn is one of 10 regional winners from a record number of 750 nominations made across the country. Committed to making special memories for children and their families going through cancer treatment, Dawn set up the Children of Worcester Cancer Fund and raises tens of thousands of pounds to fund various social events each year. At Christmas, Dawn and her colleagues transformed the children's clinic into a winter wonderland and last year she arranged a special trip for 150 children and their families to see Cinderella in pantomime at the Swan Theatre in Worcester. A charity ball organised by Dawn in 2021 raised £9,000 and as part of Harvey's gang, she regularly arranges special patients' access to our laboratory for children to see their own blood samples being processed. Dawn's constant drive to put a smile on the faces of children being treated for cancer and her exceptional standards of care, compassion and commitment, which are exemplars of the Worcestershire Acute Hospital NHS Trust commitment, is putting her patients first. She was one of the many... This was one of the many reasons she won the Chair's Special Recognition Award in 2021 and was a finalist for a Patient Choice Award at the 2022 Worcestershire Acute Hospitals NHS Trust Staff Awards. Dawn said, I am humbled to be chosen as regional champion in the NHS Parliamentary Awards. However, I could not go the extra mile without the help and support of so many of my colleagues. All of the hard work pays off when we see the smiles on the children and their families at the many special events we arrange for them. The awards will be presented at a special ceremony in the House of Commons on July the 5th, the day of the NHS's 75th birthday. The council has not ruled out bringing in new entry fees for the city's free festivals to ease its budget problems. Worcester City Council had wanted to introduce a £2 entry fee to the annual Worcester show, which attracts more than 10,000 visitors. But when the money-saving measure was put to councillors to vote, it was scrapped in favour of a voluntary donation. Council bosses say they are still looking at where money could be saved and entry fees might still be introduced for other free festivals, despite the snub by councillors. The council's managing director, David Blake, hinted the council might start charging for other festivals it has a hand in running. But bosses have already ruled out bringing in an entry fee for probably the city's most popular event, the Victorian Christmas Fair, which regularly attracts tens of thousands of people throughout the festive period. In terms of the other events, there may be opportunities for some of the other things we do where we look to introduce a fee of some type, he said at the Place and Economic Development Committee meeting in the Guild Hall on Monday, June the 5th. 
some of the events that you have mentioned, such as the Christmas fair and the lights switch on, we have already given some thought to those and we believe they sit outside the scope of any potential charging policy. Mr Blake said that the council would be putting any potential savings plans to councillors as and when they arose so staff could prepare as early as possible and that staff would be bringing recommendations to committees on some of the city's other festivals which councillors will be expected to vote on. The managing director said the council had already ruled out introducing a charge for the Christmas Victorian Fair as it would be difficult to shut off the whole city centre to ensure every visitor paid the correct fee. The City Council has already revealed its worrying budget problems and was facing a 1.7 million gap in its books this year, which it has already been agreed will be filled by using reserves and expects the gap to grow to nearly 4 million in the next five years. A key railway line has reopened after a 10-week closure because of an unsafe viaduct. The closure affected thousands of county travellers on the Great Western Railway line. The railway between Didcot and Oxford was closed on April the 3rd after the 160-year-old viaduct, sorry, after significant movements were detected in the 160-year-old viaduct, despite recent ground stabilisation work. Services had been expected to begin again on Saturday, June the 11th, but the first passenger trains are running on the line on today, June the 9th. More than 100 daily passenger services have been cancelled since the route was closed, affecting both Great Western Railway and cross-country. The issue also forced around 40 freight trains each day to be diverted. Around 800 people have worked on the repairs, which have included demolishing and rebuilding part of the 150-tonne bridge and creating stronger foundations. Engineers will remain on site for up to 12 weeks to finish the work. Network Rail Capital Delivery Director Stuart Calvert said, A complex and challenging repair like this would normally take two to three years to complete, but thanks to the hard work and dedication of our talented teams of engineers and industry experts, this major project has been turned around in just under 10 weeks. Once again, I'd like to thank our passengers, freight customers, local community and our industry partners, for their patience, understanding and support while we carried out this work, which will protect this important rail link for generations to come. A band from Worcester will be playing at one of the biggest music festivals in the country this year. Chevy Chase Stole My Wife will be playing at Glastonbury Festival. Thousands of festival-goers will be making their way to Glastonbury, where the festival is held at nearby Worthy Farm between Wednesday, June 21st and Monday, June the 26th. Emma Howard said, The band was over the moon when they found out they will be playing at Field of Avalon on Thursday and Friday evenings. The rock-pop band will also be debuting some songs from their new album before the release date. Miss Howard said, We are so excited. It doesn't feel real, but it's a dream come true. There are so many incredible bands in Worcester and we hope to represent the city and do Worcester proud. We're going to be playing some new songs from our upcoming album for the first time at Glastonbury, which is very exciting but also nerve-wracking. 
If you told me we were playing at Glastonbury at the start of the year, I would have said, really? How? She said it would be her dream to play at Glastonbury, adding it's every musician's dream to play at Glastonbury. But the band is so psyched and we're all going camping together at the festival. 78 people were arrested and over £100,000 in drugs were seized as police unmasked the extent of County Line's operations in Worcestershire. West Mercia Police have spent the past year, April 2022 to March 23, cracking down on County Line's and revealed staggering figures for South Worcester. In the past year, a total of £146,975 worth of drugs was seized in South Worcestershire. Across the force area, police seized £450,000 worth of drugs. Some of the drugs seized in the county included magic mushrooms, cannabis plants and amphetamine. One of the most expensive drugs seized was crack cocaine, which had an average worth of £8,940. West Mercia also seized £28,000 worth of cash. County Lines drug dealing sees dealers exploit children and young people, recruiting them to run drugs and cash between urban and county locations and deal drugs on their behalf. Once recruited into county lines, it can be difficult for those exploited to leave, with fear and threats of violence made to them and their family. Vulnerable adults, such as those dependent on alcohol or drug abuse, are also targeted, with drug dealers often taking over their homes to deal drugs, a practice known as cuckooing. Around 12, 12 safeguarding referrals were made for those deemed vulnerable. Across the past year, 15 weapons were seized, including 11 blades, one S5 firearm and three falling into the other category. Detective Chief Inspector Oliver Ewell said, During the last 12 months, we have relentlessly pursued county lines drug dealers who have a devastating impact on our communities. The results are a huge achievement, but we will not rest on our success. County Lines drug dealing will remain a priority for West Mercia Police. Our dedicated County Lines teams will continue to root out the drug dealers and exploiters who care only about profits and not the children and other vulnerable people they exploit. Working with our partners, we will make our counties hostile places for those involved in County Lines networks. Anyone with suspicions that a property is being used to sell drugs or that a young and vulnerable individual may be getting involved with County Lines drug dealing can report it online under the Tell Us About section of westmercia.police.uk or information can be given anonymously to Crime Stoppers on 0800 555 111. Bargain hunters flocked to the streets of Worcestershire as part of a huge countrywide garage sale. Worcester, Fernal Heath and Droitwich residents snapped up bargains thanks to Nicole and Co's big Worcestershire garage sale. At one of the homes, all the items in the house were up for sale. April Brunger is one of the many residents that took part in the day, but instead of selling the loose items she did not need any more, she was selling every item in her house. She said, We're saying that everything needs to go for however much and just make us an offer, or just have it. 
Everything needs to go because the house is going on sale next week because it belongs to my stepfather who passed away. This opportunity has just landed right. Nicole & Co launched the big Worcestershire garage sale on Saturday, June the 10th to encourage as many people as possible across the county to join together on their streets for the mass event. The estate agent asked for homeowners in Worcester, Droitwich and Malvern to participate in the event. The community-wide event saw people travelling around with maps to locate which streets to visit. Beth Collins said, We bought a fab table and chair for our granddaughter for a £3 bargain on Worcester Road, Droitwich. It was a lovely idea for an event. Steve Thomas made the day a family affair and walked around with his two children and wife who had a map. We took part to get the children out of the house and it's a good way to avoid things going to landfill, Mr Thomas said. Matt Nicholl, Managing Director of Nicole & Co, said the event was a huge success. It's been great. There have been many people involved, taking part with great spirit, clearing out their homes and making some money. The weather has certainly helped us too. Just over 64 acres of land in a Worcestershire village could soon be a solar farm. Canterbury-based Tyler Hill Renewables wants to cover farmland in Combhampton near Ombersley and Sitchampton with rows of solar panels. If the plan is given the green light, the site could be known as Combhampton Solar Farm, located on fields at Combhampton and Little Acton. The developer still needs to submit a planning application but has instead put forward a public consultation, allowing residents and businesses to voice their opinions before submission. The site would comprise several large fields in two separate parcels and could be connected by underground cables to the local electricity network. Tyler Hill Renewables hopes the development will export around 18 megawatts of clean renewable energy to the area, benefiting about 7,760 homes annually. In the application, Tyler Hill Renewable said the solar farm will be designed to allow sheep to graze under and around the panels during operation, providing a dual benefit of agriculture and energy generation. No agricultural land will be lost as the land will be reinstated to its former use at the end of the life cycle of the solar project, estimated to be between 25 and 40 years. Several site options on farmland were assessed and the proposed site was chosen as meeting all development criteria, providing the greatest benefits and having the fewest environmental or cultural constraints. The layout has been designed to minimise the impact on nearby residents, including setting the development away from properties, retaining and planting new hedges for screening and using Owl Hill Lane as the main site access. At the end of its 40-year operational life, the equipment will be removed and the entire site restored to its current use. A consultation was set to take place yesterday. This would have been... Um, June the 12th and at Hartlebury Parish Hall for the public to have its say. A plan to revamp a rotting listed building and return the former city centre jewellers into flats and a new shop has been backed by the council. 
The Grade 2 listed building in Angel Street in Worcester has been completely empty since 2016 and new plans show how the deteriorating former shop and jewellers would be brought back to life. The building, which has been split into two units, including the mine jewellers, which shut in 2016, and the BSM driving school, which closed its doors in 2002, would become one ground floor shop under the new plans by Mr Arshad Multani, with the remaining floors converted into flats. The application revealed that security gates needed to be installed on the building as an urgent measure to stop the building from deteriorating more. Since the shops closed several years ago, the doorways of the listed building became a site of sex, drug-taking and overdosing and urinating. The building has been vacant for many years since around 2002 and the whole building is in need of repair and are used to enliven the street scene and give the building a beneficial use, the application said. Worcester City Council said utilising and enhancing listed buildings in the city centre should always be encouraged as long as it was sympathetic and was being done to protect the life of the building. Council planners added that much of the refurbishment work had already been supported in 2016 and that the much-needed security gates were the only contentious part that needed reviewing. The council did give permission for the building to be transformed into a new shop and flats in 2016, but the work was never carried out. The Grade 2 listed building in Angel Street was originally a house dating back to the 18th century and shop fronts from the 19th century that were later refurbished in 1980s. The planned refurbishment would be one of the several transformations in Angel Street and Angel Place in the coming months. Worcester City Council is pressing ahead with its multi-million pound plans to open a new performing arts venue at the nearby former Scala Theatre. A Worcester school's cricket teams were undefeated all day at an outdoor cricket tournament. Christopher Whitehead Language College and Sixth Form took the under-13 and under-15 girls cricket teams to the county chance to shine outdoor cricket tournament on June the 7th. The under-13 team beat teams from Walkwood Middle, Breeden School, Bishop Milner and St Bede's. The under-15 team beat teams from Bishop Milner, Bewdley School, Malvern St James, Pegas Academy and Breeden School. A spokesperson said both teams were undefeated all day and received many compliments about their play and their conduct throughout the day. Both teams progressed to the regional finals in July. Thank you to Miss Webb and Mrs Burgess for coaching and managing the teams. The future is bright. A bar near Worcester City Centre has a new eye-catching entrance which is doubling as an art gallery. The Sociable Beer Company has a new entrance on the tithing in the former C&Z Gifts, Cars and Homeware building. The entrance will allow customers to access the bar and brewery from the tithing. Previously, the bar was only accessible from Britannia Road. The entrance features a branded light and large text in the window saying Art and Craft, Bar, Brewery, Gallery, Street Food and Live Music. Keith Duddy, the managing director of the Sociable Beer Company, said he understands how difficult it can be for artists to find spaces to display their work. 
he is making the new frontage available to artists. He said, we are interested in the interesting. As someone who is interested in art, I thought it would be fun to see who comes forward. What I want to do is to give artists an opportunity to exhibit their work through a series of pop-ups. It could be a solo show or a group that wants to do something in the space. Essentially, they can take over the space for a week or a month and run it as they wish. I have two daughters who did art degrees and know how difficult it is for new artists to find places to exhibit. If this can help encourage people, then great. The idea for the gallery came about because the brewery wanted an entrance onto the tithing, but didn't want to go to the expense of running a shop. Mr. Duddy thinks the new entrance on the tithing can be mutually beneficial for both local artists and also the brewery and bar. He said, we take no rent or commission from them. We hope the benefit to us comes from new people enjoying the space and maybe also discovering our brewery and bar. The first show will be up in August and features a young Malvern-based artist called Jack Shepherd. The artists must open the doors between 5pm to 11pm on Thursdays, 4pm to 12pm on Fridays and from 4pm to 12pm on Saturdays to allow the brewery's customers to access the bar. However, the artists can open longer if they wish. If you are an artist interested in using the space, you can contact Mr Duddy at keith at thesociablebeercompany.com. And the social will be a company's all one word. A family-run recycling business from Worcester is supporting next summer's art trail in the city so hospice organisers can keep helping other families into the future. Blackpool Recycling Limited is joining the Great Waddle of Worcester by sponsoring an adult and a baby penguin. Two of 80 sculptures, which will brighten city streets and public spaces, the large penguins will later be sold at auction to raise funds for St Richard's Hospice. The recycling company's penguin chick will be designed and decorated by children from a local primary school. Carrie-Anne Dew of Blackpool Recycling said, We're very much a family business, so we're pleased to be playing a part in an event which will be loved by so many local people, including our own team. Taking part also allows us to continue our long-standing support for St Richard's Hospice, who cared for my granddad and my husband's mum and dad. It's a charity which means a lot to us, and this is our way of saying thank you and helping them be there for others in need. The trail begins on Monday, July the 22nd, and runs for eight weeks until Sunday, September the 15th. The Great Waddle of Worcester is a wild-in-art event brought to the city by St Richard's, following two previous trails supporting its care for patients with a serious progressive illness and their families. Sarah Matthews, Business Development Manager for St Richard's Hospice, said, There are so many brilliant ways local organisations can benefit from being part of the trail this summer including having their brand in front of thousands of trail goers and engaging their workforce. Crucially, it's also an opportunity to give back to others. 
We'd like to thank the team at Blackpool Recycling for joining our hospice huddle in memory of their own loved ones and also giving a local school the chance to be part of our mini penguin parade. 40 baby penguins will be available for adoption by local schools and community groups. To discuss sponsorship opportunities, call Sarah Matthews, Business Development Manager, on 01905 763 963 or email smatthews at uk. And to find out more about the Waddle of Worcester, visit www.waddleofworcester.co.uk. Continuing Wednesday's headline story about the young boy Alfie Steele, this article focuses on his life and includes a tribute to him from his grandfather. The granddad of Alfie Steele, Paul Scott, has paid tribute to a precious grandson following yesterday's verdicts. In a statement, Mr Scott said, Our precious grandson Alfie was a charming, funny and inquisitive young boy whose kindness and cheeky smile was enough to melt your heart. He had a unique personality that made him a treasure to be around. Whether it was his comical phrases or his quirky dance moves, he knew how to make you laugh and cry joyous tears. It fills us with immense sadness that we will never be able to see that same cheeky smile again. Losing Alfie has left a massive void in our lives. To think that we will never be able to hug him and watch him grow into an accomplished young man causes much anguish. We miss him so much. He will live long in the memory for those who knew him during his tragically short life. In the days after the death in February 2021, residents of the shocked community in Droitwich left flowers, candles, teddies, cards and balloons with handwritten messages of love and of grief on a table outside Alfie's home in Vachon Drive. Readers of this paper also posted a blue heart emoji which, along with blue teddies, became a symbol for mourning Alfie. Alfie was well-liked at the schools he attended. During the trial, Anita Nicholson, a teaching assistant, said, He was gorgeous. He used to come up and show me his work. He was so proud. A few months after his death, Alfie Steele's 5GH class at Witten Middle School took part in a marathon to raise money and promote happiness and kindness. Greg Holloway, who taught Alfie, said at the time that while walking they would talk about Alfie and remember him. I wanted the class to have something positive to look back on, he said. We just think that everyone needs a bit of happiness and joy in their life at the moment, and my class, more than ever, after the tragedy. Melbourne Theatres has promoted an event featuring controversial media commentator Katie Hopkins, but now says it's not happening. It appeared the outspoken former Apprentice contestant would be bringing her live theatre tour to the town on October the 17th. An event was posted on Facebook on Tuesday afternoon, June the 13th, by Malvern Theatres featuring details of the show and quickly attracted negative comments from users. A commenter said... Why, oh why, would you let that woman into your theatre? No, thank you. With other comment, others commenting, what are you thinking? And seriously? One person even questioned whether the Malvern Theatre's Facebook page had been hacked. The theatre now says the show is not happening, although it hasn't explained why. 
A spokesman said Malvern Theatres no longer has a date for Katie Hopkins. Hopkins is known for her far-right views and in 2020 managed to get herself permanently suspended by Twitter for violating the social network's hateful conduct policy. She rose to fame in 2007 as a contestant on the third series of The Apprentice and later became a columnist for newspaper including The Sun and The Daily Mail. Hopkins also appeared on Celebrity Big Brother, worked as a presenter on the talk radio station LBC and in 2021 joined UKIP. The blurb for her theatre show, which had been posted on the Malvern Theatre's website but appears to no longer be there, says, Katie is the perfect night out if you want to laugh at the insanity of our lefty world. She's not PC but totally LOL. Watch her mercilessly ridicule everyone from politicians to celebrities in this exclusive one-night-only show. A number of theatre dates announced last year as part of Hopkins' Live, Laugh, Love tour were cancelled after criticism online. Venues including the Gatehouse Theatre in Salford, the Weymouth Pavilion and the Whitehall Theatre in Dundee pulled the show after facing a backlash from their locals. An independent sustainability business in Worcester has stressed the importance of supporting local businesses after winning a a prestigious industry award. Back It In Zero Waste Living in the Corn Market has won the Sustainable Business Award at the Muddy Awards 2023, run by Muddy Stilettos for Gloucestershire and Worcestershire. The shop sells a wide range of food items, toiletries, detergents and lifestyle items which help people to live a more sustainable lifestyle and minimise waste. Philippa Gilfillan, the owner of Packetin Zero Waste Living, said she and the team were overwhelmed by the news that they had won the award. She said, it is wonderful. We have been so overwhelmed with the news and the continued support from our loyal customer base. There is a formal ceremony in a few weeks and this award means we are now through to the national awards, which is exciting. Packetin Zero Waste Living was previously based in the gallery on the shambles but opened at the new location in February. Mrs Gilfillan emphasised the importance of supporting local businesses like Packetin. She said, It has been a big year for us with the move to the corn market, and I feel that supporting local businesses in this current climate has never been more fundamental. It is really important for people to get out and shop locally. Mrs Gilfillan previously taught at Northwick Manor Primary School in Worcester for 22 years, and opened the business in 2018. The corn market shop was previously occupied by Be The Change's Baker Difference Bakery, which closed in 2022. The Muddy Awards 2023 had 77,000 businesses nominated and 800,000 votes cast in 2023. Muddy Stilettos is described as the urban guide to the countryside in 28 counties across the UK. A world record attempt took place in Worcester for the greatest number of cyclists arranged in the shape of a heart. More than 100 people took part in Worcester City's family-friendly Kiddical Mass bike ride on June the 4th, supported by Bike Worcester. 
All ages and types of bicycles gathered at Riverside Cafe Viaduct to receive a safety briefing before setting off on a route including main roads and side streets with the largest number of bicycles on the tithing ever. Participants formed a giant heart at Gallivault Park, visible from the air by drone, and there's a lovely photo of it in the paper, which Bike Worcester has submitted as a world record attempt for the greatest number of bikes arranged into a heart. Tim and Eve Jennings have recently started to come along to Kitty Calmas with their two children, aged eight and four. They said, We've had an amazing time. The children's confidence on their bikes has come on leaps and bounds, and now they want to cycle all the time. The event is very well organised, and we've felt safe on the roads. Thanks to Bike Worcester Marshals for helping make junctions safe. Kidikal Mass is a worldwide movement celebrating cycling. Events have been taking place in Worcester since last summer, with about 100 people joining in each time. The event calls on governments to invest in proper safe cycling infrastructure to make cycling easier and more pleasant for all cyclists, including children. Steve Wilson, with sons George, age seven, and Eddie, age five, are regulars at the Kidikal Mass bike rides. Steve said, It's great to have the opportunity to learn to cycle safely as part of a group. Everyone is very friendly and welcoming and the organisers do a great job of involving families in playing games after the ride. The next Kidikal Mass event will take place as part of Worcester Carnival activities on the afternoon of July the 1st. Bike Worcester invites all ages and abilities to come along on any type of bicycle, wheels or scooters to join in the fun. Kids on balance bikes with stabilisers or sitting in a child seat or trailer are all welcome. Further information will be available on Bike Worcester's website, www.bikeworcester.org.uk and Worcester Kidical Mass Facebook page, which is www.facebook.com slash groups slash Kidical Mass Worcester. And Kidical is K-I-D-I-C-A-L-M-A-S-S and then Worcester. Bike Worcester is a group that was created to identify actions that can be taken to make it easier and safer for more people to cycle around the city. They welcome new members from all parts of the community. For more information, visit www.bikeworcester.org.uk. And now it's time for some sport articles. Worcester City have announced the signing of a new Worcester-born midfielder who has played for lots of local sides. Calvin Dinsley, formerly of Kidderminster Harriers, Hereford United, Gloucester City and Redditch United, has joined the club after finishing last season at Yate Town Football Club. Chris Corns, manager of Worcester City, said Dino, I think, is a major coup for, our, uh, for us as the club. He was at Step 3 last season playing for Yate. His experience at higher levels will be invaluable for the team throughout the season. He can control games from central midfield and demands high standards from players around him. He's a top player and also Worcester-born, so I know it means a lot to him coming to the club. Dinsley said he was delighted to join and spoke of the importance of the club to the city. He said, I grew up in Worcester, so I know what a big non-league club this is. After speaking with the gaffer in the summer, it was clear they have big plans which I'm excited to be a part of. 
City has also confirmed the signing of another local player, Kirk Layton, who was part of Pershaw Town's squad last season and captained them to the Hellenic League Division 1 title. Korn said Kirk again has had a fantastic season captaining Pershaw to the league title and various cups. He's a ball-playing centre-back and a very good defender who reads the game really well. Kirk is very comfortable on the ball and we look to get us playing football from the back. He cannot wait to play for the club and I know that was a major factor in him agreeing to come. Kirk Layton said the reason for signing for Worcester was purely down to be working with Chris again. After having two spells under him at Worcester Raiders, it was a no-brainer as I know what success he can bring to the club and the fans. It is also a pleasure to put on the local shirt and help put Worcester City back on the map and back up the leagues. Both players are now available to sponsor for the 2023-24 season. For more information, visit the Worcester City Football Club shop for all sponsorships on the website. Bath back row forward and former Worcester Warriors captain Ted Hill has been included in Steve Borthwick's 28-man England training squad ahead of the Rugby World Cup. Having been overlooked in the past couple of years by ex-head coach Eddie Jones, Borthwick has picked Hill for the first training week of the summer that started on Monday, June the 12th, at Penny Hill Park. Hill, who was forced to leave Worcester as a result of their financial problems back in September 2022, has enjoyed a stellar season with the new club Bath and he was named as Forward of the Season at the Rec for his performances in the 22-23 campaign. Hill is joined in the camp by Worcester, former Worcester Academy product Ollie Lawrence, who has also been in the fine form in the 22-23 season, winning the Premiership Player of the Year. The squad, which does not include players from Gallagher, Gallagher Premiership semi-finalists, Leicester Tigers, Northampton Saints, Sale Sharks and Saracens, assembled in Bagshot yesterday as England begin their preparations for the 2023 Rugby World Cup in France, which starts in early September. We are excited to get into camp and begin the first phase of our preparations, said Borthwick. The World Cup is full of top quality teams and high quality players and we're relishing the challenge in front of us. That all starts today at Penny Hill Park. We have lots to get through before our first summer series fixture in August against Wales in Cardiff, so the hard work starts now. We are looking forward to it. England's summer series matches begin against Wales at the Principality Stadium on Saturday the 5th of August, kick-off 5.30pm, with a return fixture at Twickenham Stadium scheduled a week later on Saturday the 12th of August, kick-off 5.30pm. England then travelled to Dublin to face Ireland at the Aviva Stadium on Saturday the 19th of August, kick-off 5.30pm, before returning to Twickenham Stadium to play Fiji on Saturday the 26th of August, kick-off 3.15pm. Worcester City have confirmed that fullback Logan Stoddart has joined the club, linking up with former Worcester Raiders manager Chris Corns at Clanes Lane. As the fresh faces continue to flood through the door at City, Stoddart joins the likes of Robbie Thompson-Brown, 
Adam Mace, Calvin Dinsley and Kirk Layton in signing up for the 2023-24 Hellenic League Premier campaign. Logan will also be reunited with Boss Corns after the pair played a key role in helping Raiders climb through the levels before both departed in the 2020-21 season. Stoddart played for Danny James's Pershaw side in the 22-23 title-winning campaign, but admitted the chance of joining City was one he could not turn down. After working with Chris in the past, it was an easy decision for me to take the opportunity to sign here at City, he said. I'm looking forward to finally being able to wear Worcester City's blue and white colours. Getting the chance to play for your local team growing up doesn't come around very often. Corns added, I've had the pleasure of working with Logie before and know what he will bring to the team on and off the pitch. He had a fantastic season winning the league and various other cups at Pershaw where he was vice-captain. He's missed a 100% commitment which will show on the pitch. He's an infectious character and great in the dressing room. Also, he's a brilliant defender one-on-one and communicates really well across the back line. So that concludes the sport for the week. As ever, we're a bit thin on the ground for that. Um, we're going to move on to the thought for the week, which Hannah's going to do. Psalm 90, verse 15 to 17. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we've seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May may the favour of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Thank you. And uh, I have here the sunrise and sunset times for this week. So this morning the sun rose at 4.47am and it will set tonight at 9.31pm. I was going to move on to the birthday files, but uh, birthday file. But having had a quick look through it, I am sad to say there are no birthdays to mention today. Um, if you happen to have a birthday during this period, fifteenth to the twenty-second of June, do write in, and we will swiftly add you to the file so that we can wish you a happy birthday next year. Right, that brings us to the end of this re- week's recording. Um, I'd like to thank today's readers, uh, Hannah and Rianne and the production team for all their efforts and wish you a good week ahead and to say goodbye. So it's goodbye from me, Pippa, and from Hannah. Goodbye. And Rianne. Goodbye. And Nigel's waving from the other side of the screen. Bye-bye. Vic Merrill, formerly from Drake's Broughton and Pershaw, sadly passed away 8th of June. Funeral at Taunton Crematorium on 20th of June at 4pm and after at Wellington Bowling Club. Friends, welcome. Charles John Fowler, Charlie. Ernie and Roy are sad to announce the death of their beloved brother Charlie, twin brother of the late George. On Wednesday the 24th of May. Funeral will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday the 21st of June at 3.15pm. All are most welcome. Derek William Huband sadly passed away on 23rd May, aged 90. 
Funeral service will take place on Tuesday the 20th of June at Worcester Crematorium at 12.15. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, can be sent directly to Macmillan Cancer Support or left in the donation box provided. All inquiries to AV Band Funeral Directors, Droitwich Spa, telephone 01905 794 675. Cheryl Hyde, Nay Healy of Drake's Borton, peacefully at home, surrounded by her family on May the 30th after a courageous battle with cancer. A service will be held at the Vale Crematorium, Fladbury, on Tuesday, June the 20th at 11am. Please wear bright colours in celebration of Cheryl's life. No flowers by request. Donations, if desired, for Melanoma UK may be sent to E. Hill and Son, Funeral Directors, Pershaw, WR10 1HZ. Thomas Huffer Phillips of Ledbury, formerly of Southbatch, Upper Sapie, sadly departed on the 29th of May 2023, aged 82. Funeral at Hereford Crematorium on Wednesday the 28th of June at 12.15pm. Family flowers only. Donations, if desired, will be shared between the RNLI and Prostate Cancer UK. Inquiries to Emma Bowston Funeral Services, 3 New Road, Bromyard. Telephone number 01885 489 Julie-Anne Plant passed away peacefully on the 28th of May 2023, aged 62 years. Funeral service to take place at Christchurch Lower Broad Heath on Thursday the 22nd of June at 12 noon, followed by a gathering at the Talbot Nightwick at 2pm. Donations in memory of Julie to Cancer Research UK via the Just Giving page. Brenda Joan Brewis sadly passed away on the 19th of May and will be greatly missed by family and friends. Her funeral is on 20th of June at 1.45pm at Worcester Crematorium. Family flowers only. Donations, if desired, to Alzheimer's Research UK. Audrey Steele, formerly Councillor Steele, sadly passed away on Monday the 15th of May 2023, aged 86 years. Following a private family committal, you're welcome to attend a memorial service to celebrate Audrey's life at St Peter's Church, Inkborough, on Tuesday the 27th of June 2023 at 1pm. Please wear an item of sky blue if you wish to. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if so desired, to St Richard's Hospice and St Peter's Church may be sent to Thomas Brothers, the Funeral Directors, Birchfield House, 494 Evesham Road, Redditch. Telephone 01527 547 777. Thank you.